Smart NBA writers and journalists say you got to wait till at least 20 games into the season before you have a true evaluation of a team. But you know what? I got content to make on a daily Sacramento Kings podcast. I'm not waiting until 20 games for a way too early progress report for the Sacramento Kings team. And here to join me to uh, break down these first 11 games and talk about where this Kings team is at at five and six. I'm going to be joined by Jay Mars from Sports 1140 KHDK's morning show. Uh, he and I will discuss everything from the, the five and six star, our expectations with this team, how Luke Walton is doing it as a coach. Uh, De'Aaron Fox's struggles, Tyrese Halliburton firmly in the starting lineup or Sean Holmes still being a value contract uh, in the NBA, the trade value of Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald. We tackle a ton on today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all off season. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of your Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. Been a Sacramento sports media member for the last seven years. This is my eighth season covering the Kings, formerly with Sports 1140 KHDK radio now with abc 10 television and khdk is where i met my guest today jay mars uh, became a co-worker of mine known each other for uh, a number of years had the opportunity to work to uh, together many many times uh, on the air jay is one of my favorite guys to talk to because we uh we just we have a, a good understanding of what we pay attention to when we watch Sacramento Kings basketball or any sporting event. And we don't necessarily agree on everything, but he'll point out things that I might've missed uh, and vice versa. So I always enjoy having Jay on. I thought he was the absolute perfect guest uh, for me to bring back here on the Lockdown Kings to do this way too early progress report. And look, we're not looking at these first 11 games and projecting how the Kings are going to be for a full 82-game season. That's not what this is about. It's really taking a screenshot of 11 games, going back to our expectations coming into this season, looking at the tough schedule where we maybe expected or thought this Kings team would be through 11 games, uh, and, and really going from there. It is true that you should wait until 20 games to get a, a real bar- uh, barometer of what a team is supposed to be or what a team really is consistently. The Kings obviously aren't there yet, but there's been plenty to talk about through these first 11 games. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with Sports 1140 KHDK's Jay Mars. Only 11 games into the season, way too early to do any kind of progress report. But you know what? We're doing it anyway for the content. I'm joined by Jay Mars from Sports 1140 KHDK's morning show with Carmichael Dave in the morning, uh, 6 to 9 a.m. Monday through Friday. Jay Mars, former co-worker of mine, good friend of mine, back here on Locked on Kings. And Jay, you know what content creation is like. Normally, people like to yeah. wait to like 20 games into a season to to really judge a team. We're going to... We're gonna, we're gonna we're going to go 11 games and, and see what we can figure out with this group. 
when you when you've gone 15 years with no playoff experiences we like to rush to judgment so i have no problem with an 11 game progress report and, and speaking of rushing to judgment that's a, a good place to start because a lot of people have rushed to judgment uh with De'Aaron fox i i was seeing after three four games of De'Aaron fox struggles everyone's uh, starting to second guess whether or not fox could be the guy here in sacramento is he the leader or should the kings consider trading him that was unexcusable to me and it still is to some extent unexcusable but now we're at 11 games into the season where fox has not looked like himself does not look comfortable he did have a good fourth quarter in the loss uh, to the phoenix suns uh, on uh, monday night but one good quarter is not nearly enough from what we expect out of De'Aaron Fox. Uh, naturally, he's going to be the focus. He's the head of the snake. He's a max contract player who's really not playing like it. Where are you at with De'Aaron Fox right now? I mean, here, here's what it is. Like, nobody should be excited about De'Aaron Fox's start. De'Aaron Fox has acknowledged, like, look, he knows he's playing poorly. But you, you have to – it's really easy to judge it by a game-by-game basis, right? And through 11 games, it has not been good. And, you know, you get a certain segment of the fan base that just wants to jump ship already. Yeah, we should have traded in for Ben Simmons while we had the chance, yada, yada, yada. Here's the bottom line is this team very much believes in De'Aaron Fox. They're very bullish. Uh, Monty McNair had an interview recently with Sam Amick that dropped today with The Athletic where the Kings pretty much backed him. Look, they're, they're not going to make any sort of judgment call on De'Aaron Fox after 11 games to start a season. De'Aaron has a track record and a body of work that has shown improvement through the years, shown that he can be a great guy in the fourth quarter. Look, there are adjustments he's making right now. He's adjusted to the new weight on his body. He's adjusted to playing off the ball more with Tyrese Halliburton. These things take time. Again, we should be tracking his you know, struggles, so to speak. Like, that's a thing. But to jump to the conclusion that De'Aaron Fox is broken and the Kings need to get off of him before his value plummets is just silly. Is there a point in terms of like a, a a game total where this cold stretch becomes maybe this is what he is with this team? I don't believe we're anywhere close to that point, but is there a number of games in your mind? Like we're 30 games into the season and Fox is still on this cold stretch. What's the number for you? I would say 30 is a good number to look at. It's a little bit before the halfway point of the season. But to your point, I don't think we get 30 games of this with De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron is too talented of a guy. He's too hardworking of a player. He listens. Look, Luke Walton has his ear. And I think that's a big reason why you saw him in the fourth quarter last night playing with the end of the bench is I think Luke Walton wanted to get him in there and, A, just let him get some confidence up, whether that was, hey, I believe in you that you can get these guys back into this game, or, hey, go in there and play against some inferior competition and get some reps. Either way, I would say if this stretches into, like, 30-game territory, then, yeah, maybe we should start waving some red flags. But I really don't see it going that far. I think De'Aaron's going to turn this around here in the next 10 or so games. We started player specific and we're still going to talk about De'Aaron Fox throughout our conversation, but let's step back to like a team broad uh, specific viewpoint. 11 games in this team is five and six. It's under 500. This team more than uh, had the capability to, to win a handful of these games to be over 500. Uh, but all things considered, we were talking about how difficult this schedule was to start the season. Now the Kings go on a four-game road trip with four extremely winnable games. I'm going to ask you and talk to you about those four games coming up in just a second here. But five and six through the first 11 games, considering the strength of schedule uh, and even considering De'Aaron Fox's struggles, what do you think about where this Kings team is at right, at right now? As expected, above expectations, are you concerned by the fact that they've lost some winnable games in that mix and could be better? Where are you at with that? 
Well, I mean, teams lose winnable games all the time. Even the best teams in the league lose winnable games. That just happens. That's just the night in, night out, you know, run of the mill NBA, so to speak. I would say this. I'm optimistic, and here's why. This team is five and six. To your point, they have played some really good teams, lost some really close games. And I said this this morning. They're five and six despite the Aaron Fox's struggles. And when you can start out with that rough of a schedule and be one game under 500 and your star player who's in the first year of a max extension has struggled the way he has. I mean, we, we can't go back to De'Aaron struggling like this since you know, his rookie season. And that seems like ages ago, but to basically be in the, the hunt, so to speak, 11 games in and your star player isn't even playing well to the point where it's probably the worst stretch of his career post his rookie season. I would say the Kings are very fortunate. They're very lucky to be in this position and they really need to start turning it up, though, as far as making some of those close losses. They got to turn those into wins. Look, this is a team that has postseason aspirations. Those certain games, you know, the Utah game, the Dallas game, those are games you got to try to find a way to eke out and win. And they need to get a couple of those under their belt. Even the Indiana Pacers game where they were within three yeah. points at the end, they lose that game. And that was on a, a really, really bad shooting night coming off of an 140-point performance against the, the Charlotte Hornets. And what stood out to me in that game, Jay, even though the Kings lost, is they were in that game when last season they would have had no business being in that game because how poor their defense was. Now, it would have been difficult for this team to not improve. Uh, on uh, on their defense from last season. But Luke Walton came into the season saying he wants his team to be top 15 defensively. They're not there. A lot of that has to do with their poor defensive showing in fourth quarters, especially early on in the season. But for the most part, this team does look significantly better defensively to where when the shots, shots aren't falling, they're able to, to keep this team in the game. Looking at this defense as a whole, what are you thinking about this defense? How much confidence do you have in this defense being able to sustain its success throughout an 82-game season and maybe into postseason? Well, we, we talk about success. We have to make sure that's a, that's a relative term, so to right. speak, again. This is still a bottom third defensive team in the NBA yep. right now. But to your point, given just how terrible they were last year, you'll take that you know, run up five spots, so to speak, from a defensive standpoint. I think they could easily maintain what they're doing right now. You know, just by simple, the fact is you have better defenders than you did last year. Adding Davion Mitchell, even though he's a rookie, he's a 22-year-old rookie. He's seasoned enough that he can come in and provide you good defense at the NBA level already. Having guys like Alex Lynn and Tristan Thompson, let's go back to that Pacers game real quick, right? To your point, they would have got blown out probably by double digits, but I thought the big thing that really helped keep them in the game was Alex Lynn being able to come in there and check Sabonis and Turner because, look, Rashawn Holmes was having an off game. And, you know, that, that was a tough matchup for him, those double bigs. But you bring a guy like Lynn off the bench now, listen, if that was Chemezi Metu and Damian Jones in there or Hassan Whiteside like last year, the, the Pacers, they, they run away with that game. The Kings wouldn't have even been in it. So just because they've added some better defenders and guys, you know, like Terrence Davis isn't a bad defender off the bench. Uh, Luke Walton has commented how much Tyrese Halliburton's defense has improved from last season. So, yeah, just given the natural improvements from guys that were already on the roster and then looking at a few of the guys they brought in, yeah, they, they where they're at right now, they should be able to maintain without an issue. It's whether or not they can build on this start defensively. Now, that's going to be the question that Luke Walton and staff have to answer here. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam to get 
you to pay them without you knowing. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. I paid for a subscription for over a year. I don't want to say what the company is because when I use them consistently, really enjoyed them, but I never canceled. And for a year, I was paying them without even knowing it. And to be honest, that's bad, uh, that's bad financial planning on my part. But hey, life gets busy. Sometimes you miss things. Truebill consolidates everything for you. I use Truebill and Truebill is what pointed out when we found out this was going to be a sponsor, downloaded the app. I found out that I was still paying for this subscription because of Truebill. On average, using Truebill, people save up to $720 a year because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. You just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in just one tap. It does all that hard, busy work for you. And your Truebill concierge is where you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Truebill has over 2 million users and helps save them over $100 million total. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now, Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands of dollars a year. It's already saving me hundreds. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, NBA fans and Sacramento Kings fans, have you heard about Prize Picks? Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. If you have not checked it out yet, you're truly missing out. I'm telling you, you are going to love this app. Prize Picks is the best NBA daily fantasy sports prop games on the market. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other daily fantasy sports prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. So you can use your extensive, intimate knowledge of the Sacramento Kings and how their bench players perform to make you money. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from points to rebounds, assists. Uh, they have it all. All of your, uh, all the Locked On Kings listeners who choose to play and deposit uh, up to $100 can get a 100% instant deposit match. All you have to do is use promo code NBA to cash in on that deal. And the way this works is you pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Price Picks allows mixed sport entries. You can take the over on De'Aaron Fox's scoring totals on the same time that you can take the uh, under on, uh, I don't know, Jimmy Garoppolo touchdowns thrown based off how the Niners have played. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com. Use promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Prizepicks is daily fantasy made easy. I love and I know you will love it too. We can play together. Let me know what results you get at Picks. My request for the Kings defensively coming into this season was, guys, just be good enough or average enough to put yourself in a position to win games consistently. And they have done that. But now that we've seen what this defense is capable of, because we've seen this defense hold good offensive teams to uh, quarters where they're barely over 10 points or in the teens, I think what the Phoenix Suns fourth quarter the other night was like 11, 12, 13 points, something like that. Yeah, it was pretty... 13, right? We're like 31 to 13 or something yeah, it's, like that. It's, that's absurd. Uh, so, now that uh, we have uh, 11 games of what this Kings defense can be and, and seeing stretches like what they were able to do in their home opener, how difficult they made life for the Utah Jazz is another good example. Is the bar that I set too low? Does that bar in your mind need to be raised to, all right, not only do you have to be average enough to, to put yourself in a position to win, now you have to win some games off of the back of your defense. What do you think about that? 
Oh yeah, I mean, but again, we go. Well, let's jump back to the idea that they have postseason aspirations, and that does not mean playoffs necessarily. I'm not talking about one through six, but that seven through ten. Yeah, they're going to have to eventually rely on that defense because look, there are games like you saw last night in that third quarter when Tyrese Halliburton is missing that. That half-court offense without a secondary playmaker just grinds to a halt. And they're going to struggle on the offensive end on nights when you have guys out. So what are you going to do? You have to rely on the defense. You have to rely on making that extra effort on that end. That's what is going to keep you in games. I thought against the Pacers, they did that. And that helped them is because they were able to get some stops down the stretch there to keep themselves within the game. But to your point now, you got to also start making some baskets in those crucial situations Mm -hmm. to reward that defense that's kept you in the game. So, yeah, no, I think that bar is perfectly set right where you at it. you got to have some games where you come up big on the defensive end and you can point to that as to the victory for the evening. I think it's very fair to say that the four spot has been and is the weakest spot on this Kings team. And no disrespect to Mo Harkless, he's starting in that four spot. He and Harrison Barnes are really the only wing depth that the Sacramento Kings team has. And I know why Mo Harkless is out there. He's a reliable defensive body. He doesn't necessarily provide too much on the offensive end. He's had a couple double-digit performances, which you'll you'll take that any given night from Mo Harkless when he's able to, to give that to you. Um, but what's your assessment of that four spot? Do you think the Kings are in somewhat desperate need to address that position before uh, the, the season is said and done? Or do you think this Kings team can be long-term successful with a guy like Harkless starting at that four spot, even though there's really not too much consistent offensive production? No, you, you definitely got to upgrade that. That was the one big thing we talked about in the offseason when we were looking at this roster. We knew that this was going to be the roster moving into training camp was, wow, the wing depth is really bad. I think Mo Harkless is doing great right now, given that he's probably better suited to be off the bench as your 8-9 guy giving you wing depth. Realistically, if you are a a team with postseason aspirations, Mo Harkless is not the guy you want starting alongside Harrison Barnes in that 3-4 spot. So, no, if, you know, we have a wish list for Monty McNair, so to speak, going into the trade deadline, I think we've seen a couple obvious things right now is that wing depth and that four spot, to your point, is really hurting the Kings, especially when, you know, go back to the Indiana game, right? You're playing a lot of three-guard lineups. When they had Turner and Sabonis out there, those three-guard lineups with either Harkless or Barnes at the four were just getting eaten alive. And so when you play bigger teams, that's a real issue the Kings have is that four spot. So realistically, I would like Harrison Barnes to be the starting four and have more of a three-and-D type guy. you know, getting that three spot and then having Harkless come off the bench because he can play both spots. He gives you a nice piece off of that bench to kind of rotate whether, hey, Harrison Barnes might be in foul trouble. Cool, we can bring Harkless in to give you spot minutes at the four or vice versa. He can come in and play the three. But yeah, if if I had a wish list for Monty McNair at the trade deadline, which is hilarious, 11 games into the season, it would definitely be to address the wing spot and get a lot more depth there. No, I'm glad you brought that up because it's it's less progress report and more projecting, but I think it's a, a fair conversation because if the Kings are going to upgrade, it's going to have to be at that trade deadline. And if regardless of if they're going out and getting a starting caliber four or a three and D guy, like you mentioned, if you want to get anybody of value, you have to give up some value sure. in return. And I think everybody will say the most valuable trade piece that the Kings have that they're willing to move on from right now is, is uh, well, I wouldn't even say they're willing to move on from him, that people could see the Kings moving on from is Harrison Barnes. I don't think that's happening at any point. It's more than likely that 
Buddy Heald is at that top of the the tradable assets list for the Sacramento Kings. But I feel that Buddy has done a a, a very good job in his primary bench role. Uh, do you see Buddy Heald as that potential uh, major asset that the Kings shop at the deadline to get that missing piece that they need? Or based off of how Buddy has played and how important he's been with that second unit, is he potentially off the table, which is absurd considering where we were just in the offseason a few months ago? I don't think Buddy's off the table, and quite frankly, I don't think anyone outside of De'Aaron Fox and maybe Tyrese Halliburton of the guards are off the table. Look, you got to give something to get something to your point right now, and the Kings have a glutton of guards. Mm. Buddy Heald is a very tradable commodity. I think he has been great, and he has thrived off of the six-man role, but sometimes it's a matter of just trading parts, You know, getting somebody that is a three or four, a three and D type guy that is comparable in the talent level to Buddy Heald. Yeah, you hate seeing that elite shooting go off the bench, but if it gets you another wing asset that can come in that starting lineup and move Mo Harkless to the bench and be productive, I feel like you've balanced your roster better and it's going to give the Kings a lot better chance to win down the stretch of the season. So no, I, I think Buddy is still a prime trade target. Um, you look at the bigs, obviously Marvin Bagley is still an $11 million expiring contract, and that's really all he is at this point. So you can use him for salary filler possibly. And look, they're, they're stacked at the big spot as well. You have a Tristan Thompson, who's I think like a $10 million contract. That can be enticing to a team at some point during the trade deadline. But no, you definitely have options of guys you can trade. And I think Buddy would be the prime target, though, to kind of help balance out that roster, though, come the trade deadline. Today's Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now nearly impossible uh, for your local auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. And instead of sitting there and going through intimidating questioning or getting frustrated when the counterman only carries one brand or one type of part at their fixed price point, you can take control by going to rockauto.com, browsing all the parts you could possibly need at a variety of different price points that are better than your local chain auto parts store. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? You don't have to. Rockauto.com will absolutely save you money. And look, if you're someone like me who has no idea anything about cars, it's really easy to figure out what you need, easy to get it. It's sent to you quickly. Uh, I have had experience buying parts on rockauto.com after uh, running over a, a, a tire uh, on the freeway, and it saved me a ton of money just getting the parts that I needed. Go explore their easy-to-use website today. Find a solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. With Buddy Heald out of the starting lineup and now uh, playing primarily on the bench, it's opened up that starting two spot, which is now firmly Tyrese Halliburton, something that I wanted to see last season. Uh, and all the focus has been on the struggles of De'Aaron Fox, but there have been a handful of games during this 11-game start, uh, Jay, that, that Tyrese hasn't looked the best. I think the biggest criticism of Tyrese's game that I've heard from anybody is sometimes he's not aggressive enough and the Kings want him to be uh, more aggressive. That being said, he did have a fourth quarter recently. I, it might've been the Pacers game uh, where he really came alive. And, and we know fourth quarter Tyrese Halliburton was was really, really good last season, even if it was in a, an empty golden one center. What's your uh, evaluation of, of primary ball handler uh, starting Tyrese Halliburton next to De'Aaron Fox. I love starting them next to each other. I just think like anything else, it does take time to adjust. Remember, De'Aaron's been starting next to Buddy Heald, 
Whereas he has to look to get Buddy Hill looks. Like you have to set up the offense and get Buddy Hill the shots. That's literally his weapon. That's what he's out there for. Versus Tyrese now, it gives you more options, but De'Aaron has to get used to the idea of those options playing off the ball next to that Tyrese Halliburton. But Tyrese also has to, you know, adjust to sometimes being the primary playmaker, which we've seen, and also playing off the ball. Uh, Tyrese at times is shown to be sometimes the best offensive player on the court for the Kings. I think the game you're referencing where he took over was the Pelicans game mm. where I thought he played his best, not just quarter of the season, but game of the season. And then the Pacers game, it was so head scratching sometimes because he is always looking to pass first. There was a sequence in the third quarter where the ball got back out to him and he's wide open on the angle and you see him like go to pass and he hesitates to bring it back. Cause it's like something clicked on him. Like, Oh, I'm wide open. He shoots the three, he hits it. And, and De'Aaron said it best in the post game a couple games ago, like, dude, shoot the effing ball. I think right now that's my biggest concern with Tyrese Halliburton is he's too unselfish. He's one of the best shooters on the team. If he's open, he needs to be looking for his shot way more. There's no reason why you shouldn't look at a, a box score after a game and Tyrese Halliburton is second in shot attempts than De'Aaron Fox or Harrison Barnes. I mean, his offensive game is good. His jump shot is good. It's translated at the NBA level. He needs to look for his shot more, but also to your point, he needs to be a creator. There's a lot to ask of Tyrese Halliburton in year two. And I will say this, I think he's met the expectations for the most part so far. Well, if anybody benefits from playing with Tyrese Halliburton, it's Rashawn Holmes. Their two-man game is very apparent. And the first two seasons of Rashawn Holmes in Sacramento, Jay, he was one of the best contracts, if not the best contract in the NBA. Now he just got paid this offseason. He's going to be a king, at least for the foreseeable future. Jay, is he still one of the best contracts and most underrated yeah. players in the NBA? I think I what is his deal? Like four and fifty-five with incentives, but like the base is like four and forty-six. No, he's one of the best values in the NBA. John Hollinger from the Athletic wrote he might be the biggest value in the NBA right now. And you want to talk about his importance to the Kings. Look at the last two losses. The Indiana Pacers and the Phoenix Suns have game planned for Rashawn Holmes. That's where Rashawn Holmes is at in his career. Teams are game planning for him. And listen, the Pacers and the Suns shut him down. And you saw what happened. It shut the Kings down, essentially. And that might be one of the biggest things with the air getting off to a slow start is teams aren't having to game plan for him as much right now. And now they're focusing on Rashawn Holmes and taking him out of the offense. And it's really hurt the Kings. So if anybody needs De'Aaron Fox to get their offense going, it's Rashawn Holmes so that he can kind of, you know, be and do his thing again without teams having to game plan for him as much. Rashawn has arguably been one of the two most reliable Kings so far this season, arguably one of the two best players for the Kings this season. The other one being Harrison Barnes. He got off to a great start last season, career high numbers in the first half of the season dropped off in the second half this season. He's off to an even better start. He has been huge for the Sacramento Kings, not just hitting buzzer beaters against the Phoenix Suns, but every time the Kings seem to need a big basket, the ball's in Harrison Barnes's hands more than anybody else's. Uh, what is your assessment of HB here in in this, uh, I think it's third year with the Sacramento Kings, third full season uh, with yeah. the Sacramento Kings? And uh, I mean, like I said, he's he's a, a guy that I think a lot of teams are going to be calling, at, uh, calling about at the deadline. And uh, the Kings would be fools to even humor the idea unless they're getting some kind of blockbuster can't refuse deal. Yeah, I mean, that's really what it comes down to right now. His name has been in trade talk since last season. And you hear it again in the offseason. He's another guy that teams constantly call on. Look, he comes in and he does the job every night. He's in his 10th season now. He's entered his prime. He, he's, he's got borderline all-star numbers right now. I know they've tailed off a little bit in the last few games. 
but it's really hard to find a guy that can come in, play both wing positions, and give you the constant numbers he does from both the field, the free throw line, the three-point line, the points, and the rebounds. He shows up every game. You know what you're getting. He is such a reliable hand. I mean, think about all the teams right now that have championship aspirations. How much more would a Warriors team or a Lakers team be boosted if they had Harrison Barnes playing at the three or four? And to your point, no. The Kings aren't trading him unless they are packaging him for a superstar. Like, that's it. That, that's the trade right now is – and you just see how important he is. I, I said this a couple weeks ago. Had Danny Ainge been able to pull off a trade for Harrison Barnes' last trade deadline, Danny Ainge would still be the GM of the Celtics right now. That's how crucial Harrison Barnes could be to a playoff team or a championship team. I think the biggest compliment that I can give Kings rookie Davion Mitchell is the fact that I've now become um, expectant of what he provides on a night in night out basis. The first few games I was pleasantly shocked and enjoyed it, right? It's like, Oh my God, look at the defense. Look at him strip the ball from Donovan Mitchell. Now it's like, yeah, that's, that's what he does. And it only took him 11 games into his career to get that point uh, with me. But Jay, I-, I wanted to get your assessment of Davion Mitchell, his first 11 games, uh, what he's provided defensively and already the improvement that that he's made offensively. Yeah, for me, it's the offensive side of the ball. The defense was expected. We knew he was going to come in and give them minutes off the bench this season and provide some defense. Although last night, Chris Paul gave him a welcome to the NBA side game. He's had two of those. He's had those with Chris Paul and Steph Curry. But for the most part, no. His on-ball defense, I mean, go back to that sequence in the Indiana game where he picks up Karis LeVert and just absolutely smothers him. It's not just what he's doing. It's the attitude he's bringing. And it's clear it translates to his teammates when he's on the defensive side of the ball. The offensive side, though, that was what we wondered because we saw it improve so much his senior year at Baylor. The three-point shot started going down. Would that translate at the NBA level? And so far, you know, he's had a couple clunker games, but who hasn't? It's translated at the NBA level. I'd like to see him work on more of his playmaking skills because really what he does well is he's a good spot-up shooter and he's good at taking the guys off the dribble with that step-back shot. He's really got those perfected, but when he's in the game, whether that's with De'Aaron or Tyrese, he hasn't really, he's not really a playmaker yet. He's not a secondary playmaker, and I think if he can actually get that going in his game, and again, we're talking about our rookie here. He's 11 games in, and we're already like, all right, let's do the playmaker side of you. If he can start to get that down, he's going to be a dangerous, dangerous weapon in this league. What's your assessment of how Luke Walton has done uh, as the head coach of the Sacramento Kings? A lot of Kings fans want to, to put the blame on him when things aren't going well, especially when it comes to struggles like uh, lack of adjustments at halftime, how the Kings got completely bombarded uh, by the Phoenix Suns uh, in, in the third quarter the other night. Um, your thoughts on how Walton is doing as, as this Kings head coach right now? I think he's doing fine. Again, this is a team that he has at five and six with one of the rougher starts to the season with his star player not playing well. And I I think he's doing fine. I haven't had an issue with any of his rotations. Again, he's rotating guy. You've seen a lot of the three guard lineups, but that's what he has. This This is, I think Luke Walton so far is doing really well with what he has to work with. Again, I'd like to see that roster balanced out before we can make any true judgments. But I I really liked how he coached last night, specifically in that fourth quarter when he brought De'Aaron in, brought in Jones, brought in Shemezi Metu, and those guys got back in the game. Now, conventional wisdom says, cool, bring your starters in. But I like the message that he sent to the starters last night outside of De'Aaron was, hey, 
You're not going to come in, get ran like that in the third quarter, and expect to get back in the game when these guys have brought us back. So I think he sent a good message last night. I think guys are responding to him. Everything you hear is that the relationship between him and the team is really good. And that's really the barometer, right? Because if you don't have your guy's ears, as Dave Yeager found out, you're going to find yourself out of a job. So he has the ear of his team, but when the one thing he is going to have to work on too, and I think fans, this is a good critique of him, is some of those adjustments. I do think Walton is slow to adjust sometimes and he gets caught up. But if he can figure that part out, I think Walton's going to be fine. The Kings at five and six currently are in the final play-in spot in uh, in that tenth spot, just half a game back of the the Blazers and nine, a full game back of the Lakers and Clippers in in, in seven and eight. So they're in that play-in picture, which is around where we expected them to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a whole game ahead of the Thunder and Timberwolves in that final play-in spot. Assuming this this is what this Kings team is uh, that around five hundred team and and how the Kings have played so far this season, it, it plays out for the remainder of the season. The Kings make the plan. No need to project beyond that but the kings make the plan luke walton has this team a game or two either under 500 at 500 or maybe a game or two above 500 is that enough in your mind for walton to keep his job at this point in time or like you said in your last answer do you need to see more um i need to see more number one but really i have this team pegged at 42 and 40 and if this team is 42 and 40 and makes the play and i think luke walton is fine mm-hmm. i think he's developed a good enough rapport with monty mcnair in that front office that they seem to truly be on the same page And if he can get this team above 500, that is huge growth. And I I know the last time they had huge growth, we saw a head coach be shown the door. But again, completely different management, completely different relationships going on there. No, no. If they get the 42 and 40 and they make the play in, I would imagine in the offseason, you'll see Walton get like probably a two-year extension with that second year being an option year. But yeah, I think he'll get the opportunity to continue to try to develop this team. But it'll be very interesting again. It is the roster, and I want to point that out, is I think this is a solid roster. This is a roster that can compete for the play-in and can be a game or two above 500, but they still have to show it on the court. And if they don't, and he's around 35 wins again, that that's not enough for me to think that, all right, he's coming back for year four. So, no, I think it's around 500 and play-in, or it might be goodbye as well. We'll wrap up with this, Jay. If the Kings are going to be 42 and 40 or better, like you've projected, they have to win games that they should win. They have to beat beatable teams. Now, to their credit, they're 2 0 against the New Orleans Pelicans, who are at the bottom of the West right now. So, those are games in the past that maybe we'd see the Kings drop one of those for no reason. They have four games coming up on this road trip, uh, four extremely winnable games. They have the San Antonio Spurs, Oklahoma City Thunder, Detroit Pistons, and Minnesota Timberwolves. That is their next four all on the road. In my opinion, the Kings have to win uh, three minimum. Uh, of these uh, four games, and I don't care if if that seems like a, an oversimplification or an overprojection. If this Kings team, like I said, wants to be good, these are the games they have to handle their business. What are your thoughts with this uh, this four game road trip, and how important are these games? Even though it's this early in the season in November, when we're all said and done, looking at the uh, the, the the standings for potential play in spots, a game could be a massive difference. Oh yeah, no, it's a huge difference. And I think kind of to your point, what's really important is how is this team going to bounce back after two really disappointing losses? The Pacers and the Suns losses were disappointing. So now we see this team go on the road, you know, and we've seen this before. Teams can go on the road. You get some camaraderie going, excuse me. But yeah, I said it this morning, like two and two is the absolute minimum to kind of keep people's interest, to kind of keep people thinking like, okay, this is a team that still has a chance but realistically if you do have play in and or playoff aspirations 
you really have to go three and one. And if you go four and oh, then you're feeling really good. But for me, for me to feel good about this road trip, I need to see them go three and one. That's going to make me think like, okay, this team has some swag. This team has some fight. This team clearly shows they can bounce back. And going back to what we we're saying about the coaching staff, it'll show that they're still clearly responding to the coaching if they, if they come into this road trip and play really well. We're on the same wave like Jay Mars. You can catch him with Carmichael Dave, 6 to 9 a.m. Monday through Friday on Sports 1140 KHDK, not only talking Kings basketball, but talking all Sacramento and national sports. Jay, keep up the great work, my friend. Can't wait to have you back on in the near future. I miss, uh, miss seeing you every day, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you having me. Give that baby a kiss. Huge thank you to Jay Mars for joining me on the Locked on Kings podcast today. And I appreciate you tuning in tomorrow. The Kings begin a very winnable four-game road trip, starting with a game against the San Antonio Spurs. Finally, the schedule loosens up for the Kings. And after this five and six start and a difficult schedule, this is a great opportunity to, to not only get back at 500, but to get over 500 with a little bit of a cushion. Like Jay and I discussed there, to me, the Kings have to win a minimum three of these games. Very good chance they could go four and oh. Uh, so hopefully they'll be able to handle their business. We have no update on whether or not Tyrese Halliburton, who missed the last game with some back soreness and tightness, if he's going to be playing or not. Anytime I find out that information, I will be sure to tweet it out. So you can see that on my Twitter account at Matt George Sack. You can also uh, tweet me there, send me messages, ask me questions, anything like that that uh, or you can email me mattgeorgesports at gmail.com and of course if you're watching on youtube uh get crazy in that comment section down below i read those and try to respond uh, to as many as i can appreciate your support as always hopefully you'll join me after the spurs game win or lose until then my name is matt george you have been listening to locked on kings part of the locked on podcast network